This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, while everyone here in the United States has been focused on the election, Wednesday also saw the official withdrawal by the U.S. from the Paris Climate Agreement. But with the potential of Joe Biden becoming president, the hope by many in the climate community is that the Biden administration would get back into that agreement in a fairly quick fashion. Brian Berkey is an assistant professor of legal studies and business ethics at the Wharton School and joins us on the line right now. Brian, great to talk to you. Hey, good to be back on, Dan. Thanks. So what would all be entailed in getting back into uh, the Paris Agreement? So, um, I mean, I don't know all of the kind of logistical details, but it does seem like um, if Joe Biden takes office on January 20th, he will be able to initiate the process of uh, having the U.S. rejoin the Paris Agreement. Um, There's some process that um, has to be kind of gone through, uh, and uh, that would take uh, somewhere in the ballpark of six months, um, which means that if Biden does take office in January, um, it's possible uh, that the U.S. will kind of officially be kind of back into the, the Paris Agreement by mid-2021. So with, uh, with that time frame, then, what kind of impact could potentially occur during that period of time? And I note that because a lot of articles talk about the importance of the United States to this agreement. Yeah, well, it's important that we're a part of the agreement because kind of this is the kind of global cooperative effort to uh, deal with the climate crisis. Now, uh, the pledges that each country makes are voluntary, so there's nothing kind of binding um, uh, at least in the sense that it could uh, generate sanctions kind of within the, um, uh, you know, among the parties to uh, to the agreement. Uh, so the important thing, you know, the most important thing, of course, is that countries get on a path to not just meeting their uh, pledges, uh, you know, in terms of the Paris Agreement, uh, but on a path uh, to uh, reducing emissions enough so that our collective efforts will limit warming to say two degrees uh, Celsius or 1.5 degrees if, if uh, you know if you endorse the the more ambitious target. Uh, right. And so, uh, I mean, on the one hand, uh, you know, Joe Biden becoming president uh, um, as opposed to um, the alternative would kind of by itself. It, give us good reason to think that uh, the U.S. will be on at least a somewhat better path over uh, over the next years. Um, but that's not to discount the importance, of course, of being officially a part of this, this global cooperative effort. Uh, that, of course, really matters, too. Right, because it, it also means a lot to have the U.S. in to all of the other countries that, that said that they would be a part of this in the first place. Right. Uh, And of course, part of that is because the U.S. is the number two uh, emitter globally. Uh, And so um, having us as part of the agreement where there's a a commitment, a kind of official commitment to uh, substantial emissions reductions uh, gives other countries some assurance that, um, you know, we will be part of this effort and kind of their efforts won't be kind of overwhelmed by, uh, for example, our refusal to participate in uh, the cooperative effort to limit emissions globally. We're joined by Brian Berkey of the Wharton School. Uh, So 
if assuming the U.S. does get it back into this, if you know Joe Biden is elected president, uh, what becomes maybe the most important avenues for the U.S. government to to really want to to push forward uh, as we look uh, as we look at this longer term? Well, uh, I, I mean, there are a number of things that, um, of course, would be quite uh, helpful um, in. in Kind of policy terms, of course, the you know more ambitious and kind of not terribly likely things would be um, you know some kind of serious carbon tax or um, some kind of cap and trade system or something along these lines. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, it looks like uh, the Democrats are not going to control the Senate, and so it's uh, unlikely, uh, I would estimate, that any really significant um, uh, policy changes will be able to go through. Um, there are questions about kind of how much uh, a President Biden could do um, you know, kind of on his own through right. uh, executive action. Certainly, uh, uh, you know, the EPA should function very differently. So, you know, uh, things like uh, considering CO2 a pollutant that can be regulated in certain ways, um, that's likely to change under a Biden administration. Um, but you know, without uh, control of the uh, of the Congress, uh, the Senate at least, um, there's a lot that um, uh, won't be able to be accomplished without uh, Republican some Republican support. And right. uh, I mean, there are reasons to think that that's unlikely. And, and there may be a little bit of irony here, I guess, Brian, in that, you know, various reports have talked about emissions in the U.S. dropping sharply this year. But obviously, a, a lot of that is tied to COVID and, and, and the decline in many cases of business operations that may be emitting these uh, these gases. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, uh, it's not entirely clear what we should expect uh, in terms of kind of a resurgence of emissions uh, once uh, we manage to get through the, the pandemic and, and move toward kind of a full uh, reopening. But I would imagine that there is going to be some uh, increase, at least initially, um, you know, people will be traveling more, driving more, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even even things like this, uh, you know, spread out over 330 million people will uh, will have some impact. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, there's likely to be more um, uh, business activity of a number of kinds that uh, produce emissions. So all of this uh, is going to have to be dealt with because, uh, you know, anyone who's looking at the data, uh, you know, now and thinking, oh, you know, we're on this sort of, um, you know, pretty decent path. We've kind of reduced emissions significantly in 2020. I mean, obviously nobody, uh, you know, thinks that um, the right explanation of this isn't just like we're in a pandemic and, sure, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. a lot of things that people would normally do that generate emissions are things that they're not doing currently. Brian, great to have you with us. All the best to you. Thank you, sir. Thanks a lot, Dan. Brian Berkey of the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.